Hello and welcome to VizQuick. On today's podcast, let me start over because I didn't introduce ourselves. <laughs> he just screwed it up. Yeah. See, notice how he said it was me? Yeah. <laughs> of course. All right. Hello and welcome to VizQuick. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And today we have Colton Woods on, and he is the owner of Colton Woods Horsemanship based out of Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to Colton. That's right. You're listening to BizQuick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hey, guys, thank you very much for having me on. Thanks for joining us, Colton. It's really exciting to have you on. I think the best place for us to start this particular episode is for you to explain to our listeners what it is that Colton Woods Horsemanship is. Yeah, absolutely. So our business, like you guys mentioned, is based out of Lexington, Kentucky, which is known as the horse capital of the world. We have the Kentucky Derby just an hour from here. And if you ever had the chance to drive through, it is horse farms galore. It's absolutely beautiful country. And so we run our business here and basically we're a product and service based business. We offer training services to other professionals. We ride a lot of international quality horses uh, and start them under saddle. So we're getting horses that have never been ridden before, some that have never even been touched before, as well as some problem horses. And those horses come to us to get that initial, what we would call a foundation education which is them learn. It's a lot of times you think about people education, they have to learn how to learn. And so we're giving them thought processes and ways to problem solve and giving these horses the, the mental neurology, building that neurology in these horses to, so they can be successful for the rest of their life uh, with prefer, particularly with performance careers. And then they're also learning skill sets like how to be ridden, how to get in a trailer, how to jump over fences, um, how to do some, like all the different sports. I'm not going to, I don't have to bore you guys with all the different sports that we would get into with these horses, but that's just one part of our business. The other part of our business is going to be the human education side. And so just like we were just briefly talking about right before we started recording on this deal is that the human education side is probably one of the sides that I'm most passionate about with our business. And that basically is helping horses and their people create a better connection, create a better partnership together. Uh, horses, for those that aren't familiar with how horses are, they're prey animals. And so they are highly, highly acutely aware of what's going on. They don't speak English, but they read body language, they breed energy, they read intention. And so as people, the biggest thing that we have to do is not learn how to train our horse, but we have to learn how to train ourselves and how to communicate with our horse. So we really have to work on our inner work on what, what are we thinking about? Are we present? Are we actually relaxed? Or are we holding tension in our bodies? And we talk about physical fitness. We talk about nutrition, hydration. All of these things are so important with our horses. So I spend a lot of my times now helping other equestrians or people that are just getting started in horses and up to the top level international professionals, working with them and their horses on how we can really ground ourselves in what we do every day. So one of our core values of our program is built upon the idea that horsemanship is not just a way to train a horse, but it's everything we do with our horses and in our own lives. 
So with our horses, it's not just what we feed them. It's not just how we breed them. It's not just how we handle them. And it's not just what we do to train them, but it is everything we do with them and in our lives, which is, which crossed a really broad umbrella, but we have, we have to really realize that it's a lifestyle. And fortunately for people that are in the horse business, it is a lot of people refer it's a hobby, but there's many of us that make it as professionals in this business. And it's a lifestyle. It's a labor of love. And you to really invest yourself in it, you can't just go to the barn and be the horse guy and then come home and just be somebody else. Like it's who you are through and through and your horses know that. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, this is the first time we've had a guest on the podcast where I had no idea this was a thing that this was even a business. And <laughs> I am, I have so many questions. I want to start with this. Can you tell us the origin story of how you started this business? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I did not grow up around horses. I grew up in a family of international business, very heavily entrepreneurial oriented and sales oriented. Uh, Actually got this chance to live overseas in China for two years, courtesy of my dad's company and these types of things. So when I turned 16, though, I saw my dad working all the time, gone six to eight months out of the year overseas. And so I always envisioned him being in an office all the time. Fact of the matter was he was in an airplane all the time. But I I had this vision that he was stuck in an office and I started working for them at the age of 12 in their warehouse. And so when I turned 16, I was like, I'm getting a job. I'm going outside. I want to be on a farm. I always had a thing for agriculture, animals, and um, I didn't know there was going to be horses. I thought it'd be more cattle oriented, to be honest. But I got started out on a horse farm there, learned the basics. And then just about six, eight months later, I started at the equine rescue. And these horses were basically abused or neglected. They came through in the the facility I was at, which was Safe Haven Equine Rescue and Retirement, they're based out of North Carolina, where I'm from. And they were really, really good at this. And, they, and this was within their first couple of years of them starting up. They were really good at getting these horses rehabbed, but these horses were young. They were two, three, four, five years old. They didn't have an education. And so I started, I had no idea. I, mean, I didn't grow up around horses. So I asked people, I'm like, why aren't these horses getting homes? And they said, well, they don't know anything. And so I had a couple horse jobs before, so I just started messing around with them, just trial and error, trying to teach myself, trying to teach these horses how the basics on how to behave on the ground. And then I would get them ready to where they could be ridden, but because I didn't ride at the time, then they would have trainers that would pretty much donate 30 days of training on these horses for free. And so I would get them ready to be ridden. They'd go to the trainer for 30 days and then they would find a home. So I found my purpose in, in the rescue horses, but then and that was, it's hard to believe, but this is my 10th year of working with horses since then. And so it's been this drinking from a fire hose journey for me because I went from not being around them at all to then volunteering, to going to college for this, to getting some top level internships, to working with international level clinicians and educators in the horse business, to now doing my own business. And so it's, it's been a really crazy journey just to, uh, for the long story short, the last 10 years. Yeah, that's, that's a, an interesting story for sure. Um, you've mentioned quite a, a few times about how it's uh, not only training the horses, but it's training the people, the, the owners, the riders, etc. Have you ever come across a situation where like the horse and the, the riders didn't get along? So that's probably one of the toughest parts about this business is there is a lot of mismatched horses and people. Um, and so I, I approach that in a couple of different ways. I, when I travel to clinics and everything like that, I will tell people 
are they asking for my opinion basically when, when we get there? Are they, do they really want to know it, what I have to say about this? Because chances of the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that are wrong match and it's just not going to work because the, usually because the person isn't willing to change or sometimes the horses are, they need a level of expertise that the human is not ready for. And it's dangerous. You know, if I feel like I have the fiduciary duty to my fellow human, if I see something that's about to get really dangerous, really bad, I have a guilty conscience that I live with. And if I see that, I have to say something. Um, so I'm always looking out for my fellow human in that sense. But there are a lot of people that just are mismatched. And fortunately, there's a lot of people, though, that feel mismatched right now. But with the right guidance, the right tools, they could develop themselves and develop their horses independently. So together they can get that partnership and that connection that they're looking for. Wow. Yeah, because I was, I was just thinking, I'm sure we all know, two people who are perfectly pleasant on their own, but for whatever reason, you can put them in the same room. They just rub each other the wrong way. So I don't know if that was the same with horses. I know they do have a lot of personality. Yeah. And you know, horses don't, they don't, they don't think like people do, you know, people have grudges, people, people premeditate things. Horses do things that people really suck at, like being present and like forgiving. <laughs> it doesn't mean that horses don't remember things. They certainly do, but, and I tell people this all the time, if you change, if you change your intention, if you change the way you think about things, if you change the way you approach something, like literally if I tell you to do it and you believe me and you actually let it drop into your soul and you say, okay, I'm going to give it a shot, your horse will respond instantaneously. That doesn't mean they might question if you're totally with them because they might think, oh, you might revert back to your old way. Like, but that's survival. I mean, that is their survival mechanism. If they don't have that little bit of judgment, they could die. And so, but horses are so much more gracious than people are because if they recognize the human has made a change for the better, they will take you up on it instantaneously. They don't premeditate things. They don't do things be like, oh, I woke up this morning. I'm going to ruin my owner's day. No, they don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> people do that stuff to each other for sure, but the horses don't do that. And so that's the biggest thing is understanding, teaching people how to, how horses think, how horses actually naturally operate in a herd dynamic and understand us as people realizing that we actually have a lot to learn from them because they have a lot better core values in their life than we do. You know, what's funny, Colton, is that you literally just connected a dot for me from like, I'm going to say I was like seven or eight years old. This is crazy. I, so I grew up on a farm. I grew up in Minnesota, right? And okay. um, I one summer day I was riding my bike down the road and I was probably, I probably rode like, I don't know, three, four miles away from our house. And there was this farm and I stopped because they had horses and my sister had a horse when we were growing up, but my mom was like, you're not getting one. Right. And so, and my mom grew up around horses. And so I grabbed, I, I stopped and I was like, looking at the horses and the farm, the owner came out and he, one of the horses, what well, he wanted to get rid of. He's like, this horse is ready for a new home, you know? And he's like, I will sell this horse to you for a hundred dollars. And I'm like, okay. So he, you know, let me take the horse. And I literally like walked the horse. I left my bike and walked the horse back <laughs> to my parents' house. And I told my mom, like, I can have this horse for a hundred dollars. And my mom said to me, you can't keep that horse. And I said, why not? She said, because that horse is not a good match for you. Mm. And I legit, like she grew up around horses. I legit thought she was punishing me and I was so upset, but I now real, cause I didn't think that was a thing. 
I now oh, realize that that is a thing and I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, you probably just on a very basic sense, you could look at uh, friends, just like he was saying, or you could look at dogs, you know, it's, it's probably a way easier thing for people to see. You know, I mean, I, I work with people every day that they'll say, you'll, you'll just listen to them. And it's so important, like just to listen to people, how they describe other things in their life. That tells you so much about the relationship that they have, whether it's food, whether it's their spouse, whether it's their horse, just listen to how they describe something. And it can tell you so much about where they're coming from. And the hardest part we have as humans is just to shut up and listen. But with horses, you know, they're like, oh, he's such a jerk or, you know, he's lazy or he's, he's evil or he's mean. It's just like, well, that's your perception of what he's doing or how he's behaving. But is that really where he's, is, where is your horse coming from? You know, do you think about, about somebody else? Do you think about it? Somebody in your life, you're like, Oh, that person's just lazy. Well, is he lazy or is there something else going on in his life that needs to be tended to? Because as people with our horses, we have to get to the core of them. We have to understand what makes them tick and what, if they're struggling with something, why are they struggling with it? Because if, if they're struggling with something and we just make them not struggle with it anymore, that doesn't mean that we fix the actual issue. That means we just got them to do what we want them to do. And I think the same thing goes with people. You can, the poor person's not doing the task you want them to. Well, you can do a lot of things to make them do the task. But if you find a way, find the reason that they're not motivated to do the task and then you answer and you actually go to the core of that and you fix that and you address that and you just, you recognize that they're struggling in a certain area and you serve them in that way, then they'll do what that, and they'll do the task you wanted and so much more. And so that's really the big thing behind a lot of this. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about SB Pace, the small business consulting company that makes this podcast possible. SB Pace, which stands for Small Business Planning, Advising, Coaching, Expertise, focuses solely on helping small businesses and entrepreneurs. Are you looking to start a small business of your own? SB Pace can get you up and running with a solid foundation that's built to last. Are you an existing small business in a slump or just looking for ways to improve what you do? We can help with that. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? SB Pace is the partner you need. You can find out more about SB Pace and what we have to offer by visiting our website, sbpace.com. You said something so interesting about the way that people describe things. And I'm really curious. I'd love to hear more about how do you leverage the way people describe things when you're working with them from a personal development perspective? Yeah, so that's that's a really, really pivotal part about what we do. And usually when someone first comes to us, whether they're looking for a lesson, they need help with their horse, whatever that might be, uh, it starts with how they think about it. And so that's the way I can really help the person the most is I can first listen because I need to hear where they're coming from. And I let them express themselves because the way the things that they're saying is the way that they're feeling. And that's their reality behind it. So usually they're not just telling me this stuff to blow smoke up my ear. Now, some people do, but like a lot of people are saying these things because this is it. Like a lot, and honestly, a lot of people come to me and they're like, if you don't help me, I don't know where else I'm going. Like you are the end of the road for this animal. And usually if I can help the person, I can help the horse. And so I always let, I always listen to them. And I let them get that out. I had a horse arrive my place about three weeks ago and this lady dropped it off. And she, uh, she wasn't necessarily calling any names, but she had uh, plenty of descriptors for this animal and they were not the nicest descriptors. And she went on for about 15 minute tangent about it. And I just sat there and listened. And 
sometimes it feels like your therapist a little bit because you're it's there's a lot of baggage that goes along with it and so i listened to her and i just said all right that's great i was like but that's over i was like it's like turning a page in a book i was like we're not going back there we're not worried about that anymore i was like and now this was a little different because this horse was being left with me uh for training so i said when you come back i was like i'm not going to have all those adjectives in all those descriptive words taken care of but that if you keep defining your horse in that way, then that will be his reality forever. And so that's, and I think that kind of brings me into really what I want to go with is if we talk about the relationship with food, the relationship with an individual, the relationship with your horses, if you, what you say is what they become. So if you don't change the way you're talking about something, whatever you're saying right now will forever be the future of your relationship with whatever it is that you're focused on. And so you really have to pay attention to what you're saying. And so from, from an educator standpoint, from a coach's standpoint, I let people talk about that because it's important that they get that out there. But then it's my job, I feel like sometimes to bring their awareness to what they're saying and say, hey, I don't know if you're just like, a lot of us just get into a click and we're like, this is, this is just how we talk about things with these horses, or this is just how I talk about food, or this is just how I talk about this person I don't like but you're, you come so numb to what you're actually saying that, that you need sometimes need somebody to say, Hey, do you realize that you're calling this animal dumb, that you're calling him lazy, that you're calling him a good for nothing, whatever. And that you don't even like him anymore. Because if you keep telling yourself that you're going to hardwire the neurology in your brain so hard that you're not going to be like, I won't be able to change your mind and I can't change your mind. So I have to bring your awareness to what you're actually saying and say, listen, now we need to meditate on this. We need to be present about what we're saying. We, and I was like, you might say those things, but if you can recognize that you say them and then you change that, then you literally start to rewire your brain and rewire the way you're thinking about things. This is not a short-term process. And there's a lot of people in my business that will do 30 day, I call it the miracle month. They'll do these 30 day deals where they'll bring these horses in and they'll just flip them over in 30 days. None of it lasts. It doesn't last. It's short-term results. And so my whole program is built on educating horses and people with a lifetime of mind, which means when you come to me, you know, it's an investment, you know, it's in the long term, and you know, it's going to be a lot of work. That means that when I take horses into training, it's a hell of a lot of work on us for our team to get these horses trained because we're sending these horses home with lifelong skills that at this point, at the point when they go home, they just need to be maintained because they've been instilled. But for people, I can't do that. The people have to do that for themselves. I can be there to support them along the way, but ultimately they got to do the heavy lifting. And that's such a great point uh, about people because we've run into that and I'm sure we've all heard the same stories of business owners and people out there in, in general who just refuse to change. They just keep trying the same thing. And even pre-pandemic, you know, you're, you're watching somebody like drive their business into the ground and it's like, why don't you change? It's like, well, this is the way we've always done it. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So like with, with that in mind, and then, I mean, even talking about how you've had to pivot during during this year, I mean, what have you learned along the ways? Like what, what have you had to change in yourself to get to where you are? So much, so, so much. <laughs> um, this is a, it's a lifelong journey. You know, unfortunately the brand that we've built is a top tier brand as far as business goes, but it's one that's built on a continuous education, uh, the never stop learning kind of idea. So I, while we come to people with information and we're very well known for what we do, that's just the beginning for us. And I tell people all the time, I'm always learning. I've got my own mentors. I've got my own coaches and I'm leaning into that. And I think that it's 
that's the best part about this business is that every day I get to go work with animals and people that challenge me as to who I am every single day. And it's my job to fit them, which is really tough because being, we joke in the horse world that you're type A, every, every horse person wants to be in control. And sometimes the first thing you do, you have to do is you have to give up that control in order to get the flow, get the energy and the connection that you need with these horses. Because if you're trying to control them all the time, they feel like they got to survive and they can't stand it. People are the same way. If you go into an environment, you walk into somebody's business, you walk into a partnership or a business deal and all they want, and then a guy on the other side of the table doesn't want to work with you, but he just wants to control everything you're trying to do. I don't know about you guys, but I want out of there. I'm flying the coop about as hard as I can. And I think a lot of people, that's natural instinct because you don't, you can't trust the other person with their judgment because you don't know who the hell they are. And so every day I, I really enjoy waking up and knowing that, and it's not easy because I got 10 horses a day at a minimum. And then I've got all these people and owners that are connected with them and as well as students that I work with. And I've got to constantly adapt to what they need. And that doesn't mean they're the same day to day. <laughs> that means that I might have one that's more sensitive than another one. The other one's more lazy. One gets more offended uh, when you tap them with a stick versus another one. And you have to know the personalities. You have to know the individuality. And so that's a constant change for me because I am the common denominator between all of those animals. So if all of my animals, all my horses and all my students have a really bad day, it's probably none of them. It's probably all on me not being in a good place and performing at the best I can be. And we run a high end business. So I have a responsibility to my clients to be at the best I can every day. And that, that is tough, but you've got to spend the time on yourself outside of your horses. And that's what I tell my tell my students. A lot of my students want to go to the barn for therapy. And I think horses are a great way to let us kind of detox from the hustle and bustle of the everyday world because they, they have presence about them. They're there for us when we, when we kind of need a shoulder to lean on, but they also need us to be their leader too. We can't constantly be, we can't lean on a horse for their constant engagement in that way. There's great therapy horses and that's a whole different program. But I tell people all the time, like you got to work out, you got to meditate, you need like you don't have to you don't definitely don't have to but i highly recommend that people do these types of things and invest in themselves every morning before you go out and work with your horses or before you go to work that way you have taken care of yourself before you walk into a world where you can't control all the variables so it's it's really to get the most out of with working with your horses you really have to change be willing to change who you are as a person and it's a tricky dynamic because you, I get into trouble with constantly over analyzing myself because I'm constantly trying to get better. And then that takes away from being present. And so it, it's this tricky dynamic going back and forth. There are so many parallels between what you do with your, um, with between humans and horses and humans being business owners. There's just, it's, I never would have guessed that. I have a question that's a little bit different. I'm curious knowing, um, I don't know a lot about the horse industry, but you didn't grow up in Lexington. You grew up in North Carolina. How difficult was it for you to jump in and establish yourself in this industry? It's, it's been a heck of a journey. It's been, it has not necessarily been easy by any means. Um, I think just like any business, a lot of times it's about who you know, not what you know. 
but then there becomes a point to where with horses particularly you got to know what you're doing you, you you can't fluff your way through this whole deal and so it it really takes someone willing to put in the hard work the hours you're you're not just someone that can coach and teach now there are people that are just coaches and they just stand on the side of an arena and they coach people and there's phenomenal people that do that and there's some really terrible ones as well but with what i do I don't just coach, but I do the things that I'm teaching. And I think that's so important because I have students that learn both ways. Some students learn better from seeing it. Some horse, some students learn better from just hearing me talk about it. And some students learn better of me doing it, them getting on the horse after me and being able to feel what I just did and feel what that horse looks like. And so um, it's, it's been a tough journey because because I didn't grow up in it, I don't have some last name that I can step off of into this business and it is, this business is so capitally uh, intensive. I mean, you have to have farms, you have to have trucks, you have to have trailers. Your trucks are $85,000. You have a hundred thousand dollar trailer. doesn't mean you have to have, it. I definitely do not have one, but the, and the horses themselves are expensive uh, just to feed them, take care of them. You're paying rent just like you would on your house. You're per horse, you're paying rent on them every single month. And so it's, it's very capitally intensive. And so my journey basically went from graduating high school, going to the university of Kentucky, going through their equine program. And there I met a ton of people. I indulged myself in internships and I networked with everybody that I could possibly network with, ended up getting a job with someone that I met right before I started my freshman year there at Kentucky. And that was the person I got my job from right out of college. And I wasn't making anything when I graduated, like <laughs> my family found out how much I was making and they were astounded. And basically I tell people like, it's when you get started in this business, like you have to be willing to put in the work. So I saved a lot of money before I went and worked with this guy. Cause I knew I wasn't going to make anything. And so I kind of had to pay my way through it for a year and a half and travel the country, got to go all over the country, uh, teaching and learning and training horses and uh, meeting a lot of people. And then I got engaged, decided that job wasn't anywhere. wasn't, uh, it wasn't a single man's job by any means and got engaged. And then my wife and I uh, made a decision and I started training horses from there on out. That's kind of the quick and derby. There's a lot of details in between, but it's, it's been a tough, tough journey um, because it, it's a hobby sport. I think that's one thing that's really important is that a lot of people spend their extra income in this sport. It's you have some people that are not going to be affected by a COVID-19 that aren't going to be affected by a recession but then you have a lot of people that literally will contact me and say, I have saved for the last year and a half to send my horse to you. And I like, I'm like, okay, that's a lot of responsibility. Like I'm going to do the best I can. We're going to perform. We're going to do everything we can to help you and your animal here. And, and it, cause it's expensive sport. It's expensive hobby and people don't, they save this money. So when things happen and they don't have that money, our business can, can sometimes dry up. And so that's why it's important on a business level that we develop different, uh, avenues for our business that way that we put ourselves in a good position. Okay. Well, we're going to have to start wrapping it up here, but just wanted to ask one final question since you're fairly new in, in business and we have a lot of those types of people who listen to this podcast, what's one piece of advice you would give to somebody starting out or, you know, thinking of starting out? Well, if they're going to be starting in the horse industry specifically, and I think this would probably go for almost any business is go out there and learn from as many people as you can. And there's gonna be times where you're going to see things that you never want to see again, that you ways of dealing in business. And you're like, that does not jive with who I am as a person. 
but that's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to take it with you. You can leave it there. And that's one thing my dad always told me is that learn as much as you can and pick what you want to take with you and leave behind what you don't. And the best way to do that is to go work with as many people as possible. And I find particularly in our business, there's a lot of old timers that will, they don't want to share the trade secrets basically. And I think that's a hunk of junk, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think that the, the real people that really want to leave legacy in any industry, they're willing, if someone is actually willing to put in the work, put in the time, put in the dedication, and they can see that in you, they will share with you and they will indulge in you and they will do whatever they can. And it might be limited because it might be a really busy person, but they will give you what they can as terms of knowledge or experience if you're willing to put in the work. And, you know, I think that even this upcoming generation, like my generation too, there's a lot of people that are willing to do the work. There's a lot of people that aren't willing to do the work too. But the people that are, I think it's important that if there is a person out there that has the experience to give somebody a chance. And then the person, if you actually want that opportunity, when you get it, you go hell or high water at it. And you just go out there, you learn from as many people as possible. You put in the work, you dedicate it. And then at some time, when it's time for you to fly onto that next opportunity, it's never going to feel right. It's ne you're not ever going to really feel ready for that next step. And I sure as heck wasn't, didn't feel ready when I was going to go off on my own. I still had plans to go learn from people for another five years, but life happened. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this wife got engaged. I said, I'll train horses for six to nine months. And then I'm going on to the next spot in the six to nine months. My barn was full and it's been full since now we've worked our butt off for it, but it has been full. And so now I'm still, now I'm, just, I'm doing the same thing I want to do. I'm doing what I love every day, but I'm having to find new ways to go do these other things. This has been fantastic. Really, really good. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell our listeners how they can find you. Absolutely. Well, first, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you guys and I look forward to hopefully doing it again sometime. But guys, for everyone that wants to find out more, I, I am one of those people, if you were interested in just learning more about the horse industry on whatever level, whether you've never been involved in it or anything like that, we are welcome to do that. I know that this is a business podcast. So if you have a, like a corporate team that you're wanting to like do a leadership type deal and work with them. We do that. We've got horses that are capable of doing that. So that's a really great opportunity. And you guys can find us at coltonwoodshorsemanship.com. It's Coltonwoods Horsemanship on Facebook as well as Instagram. And we have a full on YouTube channel where you've got all hundreds and hundreds of hours of educational content online there. Great. We're going to put all of that in our show notes. Thank you again. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. And you can connect with us on social media. We are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also find uh, information about our business and, and everything that we've talked about today by going to our websites, sbpace.com or bizquickpodcast.com. Yes. And speaking of BizQuick Podcast, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, like us, and give us a review. We really, really appreciate every review we get. And while you're out there doing all that, feel free to reach out to us about any topics you may want to cover or if you want to be a guest on the podcast as well. And finally, we have a book out. It's called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. You can pick that up on Amazon or you can click through our site to purchase it there. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this is BizQuick, helping small businesses across America. <laughs>